Have you ever wondered how great ideas that solve challenging problems make it past the initial conceptual design phase to actually be implemented as a solution that addresses the problem on a full scale? Well, today we explore the incubator of ideas where emerging leaders are trying to solve complex problems in a program led by GHD called Smart Seeds. So listen up, it's gonna be a great show, can't wait. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders who are making an impact in their businesses. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. Our host is Sean Grady. He is passionate about helping clients transform their businesses and solving their environmental challenges. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Today's guest is one of my mates from down under, Miles Coker. Miles is a strategic design lead with D-Lab, one of GHD's digital global innovation practices. As a qualified and experienced environmental engineer, Miles has extensive experience establishing and managing design-led initiatives in water, environment, and community development, including Smart Seeds. Miles is going to shed some light on the Smart Seeds design-led innovation program and its impact on local communities and businesses during our show today. Miles, welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. How you doing, mate? Very, very well. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. I like oh. your, your use of the word mate. This is oh, really that's making, right. making me feel right at home. That's right. I'm so excited to have this uh, this interview with you. Um, I gave the listeners a, a little bit of a bio intro on you earlier, so they've got a little kind of snapshot of what uh, who you are, what you do. So that's exciting, and we'll let let you get into a little more of that here soon. But uh, you know, a couple years ago when I met you when I was in Australia, I was intrigued about this program that GHD uh, created and uh, that you were involved with called Smart Seeds. And from what I gathered, it's a design-led innovation program with the goal of solving uh, challenging problems, uh, you know, that businesses and municipalities are having. And so I thought, you know, that'd be a great uh, show to have. And, and maybe you can give us a little more information about the program. We could talk about it. Sure. Yeah, Smart Seeds. I've been really privileged to be part of the Smart Seeds program. So, uh, look, let's go back to the beginning. It was founded in, in 2012 by a colleague of mine uh, called Claire Dixon, a really entrepreneurial thinker, very much a social thinker as well. Uh, Claire saw the opportunity to bring diverse stakeholders together, the stakeholders that are needed to solve some of society's most complex challenges um, and stakeholders that don't always get to work together um, from the outset. We typically segment, we, we segregate our problem solving. And so to break down those silos and bring those organisations together, we saw potential value there. Mm -hmm. What we then did was um, engaged with organisations, say, around a city, a place. Right. Um, it began in Melbourne. So we engaged with the public and private sector there and we asked them, do you have emerging leaders, um, young professionals, those that are at the beginning of their careers, that haven't quite been conditioned like us, more mature <laughs> professionals. The seasoned professionals, I like to call Exactly. <laughs> that may be able to shed fresh light, provide a fresh pair of eyes um, on these challenges. 
right. uh, such that we might actually make some, some tangible progress. A lot of these challenges are really hard to shift. So uh, we designed a program uh, that would uh, not only engage uh, these emerging leaders um, in, a, in a program that enabled them to collaborate, but we also built their capacity to think uh, in different ways, uh-huh. take on different mindsets, yeah. uh, inspired by design thinking and a lot of um, the human-centred approaches to problem solving, uh, creative approaches to problem solving. These approaches haven't always been introduced, particularly to technical professionals. So right. uh, if you've studied engineering like myself, uh, we are very much analytical thinkers um, based on science and evidence. Design thinking has elements of that, but is also very open to new perspectives. So, okay. uh, and very much rooted in the experience of people. And so we introduce uh, the process, the tools um, enabled um, by design thinking practice and allow them to practice it on, on the challenges that are very much relevant to them in their in their home surrounds or their working environment. So I see. Uh, over 10 weeks, uh, these, uh, you know, we, we might have 40 participants from across different sectors and organisations oh, wow. working together. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe six teams of six, six or seven, uh, and they'd all be focused on a different challenge. And then um, over those 10 weeks, pick up different skills, work through a process, and then be able to pitch back the ideas so I guess the challenge leaders or the challenge authors that 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 um that came up with these. So well, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it, it's proven to be very empowering and uh, inspiring. I guess they're uh, all involved. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I took away from the information I read on the uh, the website about Smart Seeds, and and it kind of struck me. Uh, interest. I was I was interested in. How do you guys engage, you know, and encourage outside stakeholders in the public and private sector to get involved in these projects? Yeah, so GHD, uh, we have really, we're in a fortunate position to have really trusted relationships across yeah. um, a whole range of different sectors and and um, and organisations. So uh, we are able to pick up the phone and identify people who are, I guess passionate about similar things, not necessarily uh, you know their day job, but you know the impact that they would like to make through their careers, through their influence. So that's a really good starting place. Being able to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, we've got an idea. We'd like to bring together you know people to solve complex problems in ways that we haven't done before. Um, are you interested?" And generally, we found it was a it was an outlet people very eager yeah, to take up. They were probably like, yo, you know what? I've been looking for somebody to ask me this question, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have problems. <laughs> Who yeah. doesn't, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, and on the flip side of that, it's different. So some people, some organizations find it hard to engage in things that that are maybe um, new, mm-hmm. uh, ill-defined, a little bit ambiguous because it's yeah. quite exploratory. Um, so sometimes it takes a few conversations before people get comfortable and they just have to jump in and say, well, we, we don't know what it is. We haven't experienced it yet, but we trust you. <laughs> we'll come along the journey. Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, so, so what type of challenges and problems uh, are the emerging leaders trying to solve? You know, like what, what are these types of challenges these, these leaders in the private and public sector have been bringing to the, the Smart Seeds group? Yeah, so I guess if you think of all the complex factors, the environmental factors that we 
we need to grapple with more and more in the way we do business, in the way we design solutions for cities um, or between cities, um, the way we educate people, so very much societal, the way we take care of people's health, we find that these are all cross-sector issues. So um, the starting point for a lot of these challenges will be triggered by climate change. How do we adapt? Yeah. How do we make more resilient cities? Uh, it may be around health and um, health crises. So, right. I mean, I can imagine if we launched a smart seeds in a city today, something will be around how do we adapt to um, pandemic and how do we design uh, institutions, um, you know, structural places. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all that. So it's the things that we can't solve alone that we need to engage with each other to be able to kind of navigate this. And and I guess one of the most challenging elements of the program is there is no well-defined problem here. It's very ambiguous um, it's, and, and there's unlikely to be one single solution that will solve these things. It needs to sure. be a portfolio. It needs to be uh, a collective effort. And <laughs> even right. then, your efforts to solve the problem may change the problem. And so right. it's this wickedness that <laughs> you can't quite ever catch there's all kinds of these challenges, right? I'm, I'm assuming, and, and a lot of inputs to you know solve them. And I was looking on uh, again back on that website, and I saw some of the YouTube videos that were posted about the you know successes of some of the uh, sessions. Um, and you talked about you know the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic that's going on right now. And I know that GHDs uh, just recently uh, were was involved with uh, an acquisition of uh, Movement Strategies, or is that? Is that the name? Movement Strategies? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's like one of the ideal, perfect uh, solutions of, you know, solving some of this COVID-19, you know, pandemic, uh, social distancing and tra people tracing type uh, thing. And, I, and they've been kind of involved in Smart Seeds for quite a while, it looked like. Yeah, so uh, Movement Strategies, yeah, they're uh, a business that have been in um, – doing their thing for quite a long time. They've mm -hmm. recently joined GHD and uh, remarkable timing. I, I, I dare say the foresight to bring in a movement strategies business right. on the verge of a, of a pandemic um, has been really interesting for us because we've been able to lean on them heavily in the way that, uh, you know, if we're designing hospitals, um, how do we design them to then minimise the movement or the incidence of or, or chance of um, uh, virus spread. Sure. Uh, how do we construct or continue to construct major infrastructure projects uh, when we now need to physically distance? These are all very different considerations to how many of these projects would have been planned originally, and right. they need to change if they're to keep going rapidly. And so right. uh, movement strategies, they have... Uh, the capabilities and the data to support um, these strategies uh, to, to change the way we work, to to improve the flow of people and reduce risk. Yeah, I've seen some of their uh, information out there, and and you know just watching the uh, the flow of people and 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 the interaction in the time periods and 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 being able to map that out. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity and potential to to really help. Uh, solve this problem. Um, you know, some of the other uh, types of problems that, uh, you know, or interesting outcomes that you've seen in the program, like what, you know, what are some of the other interesting challenges that were 
kind of solved or at least identified as good solutions that's come out of, of the, the Smart Seeds program? Well, a lot of utilities, um, whether in water or power, a lot of transport authorities, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, organizations that provide public service and they own a lot of land. And so uh, traditionally, a water business would be concerned really with the singular function of either transporting water um, or cleaning water uh, or, I guess, safely conveying water to reduce flood. Yeah. But now we're starting to look uh, at what else, what other benefits can these organisations provide and, and work across into the public domain. Uh, so some of the challenges have been particularly around transport, how do we repurpose land that is underutilised? Sure. So there might be transport corridors, uh, for instance, where you've got a rail corridor in cut. Um, so you've got uh, essentially space above the rail, which right. may segregate two suburbs. How can you repurpose that land above a rail corridor to provide additional benefit to community, whether that's to connect a community, so uh, enable suburbs to flow right uh, well like we you know there's uh, some of those examples here like rails to trails so we've got a lot of old rail spurs from railroad tracks that aren't you know being used any longer and they run right through major you know uh neighborhoods and communities and it's like well let's create a green space and a, and a you know an, an area an outlet for people to walk and ride their bike and run and and it's like a, a nice uh, park, almost, you know, a linear park that people can. So is it something like that is what's come out of some of this, this exactly. Uh, work? Exactly. Huh? I mean, one of the, the best examples recently, a, 20, a team in 2018 in, in um, Sydney, Australia, right. they were tasked with a similar problem, that there was uh, some underutilized land or land with potential. Mm-hmm. Um, what might we do uh, as, a, as a collective? And so I believe the team was made up of um, uh, state government professionals, uh, private developers, consultants uh, in landscape and architectural design, urban design, but also um, uh, oil companies and companies that um, in petroleum. So again, uh, with uh, the potential for other assets like um, service stations that are maybe coming to the end of life. There's some land there. How do you repurpose? And this team collectively uh, identified an opportunity for more community gardens, particularly to tie in with the opportunity for self-reliant communities growing their own food in in high-density urban environments. Yeah, I love that. And so their growth project is actually now underway. There's actually communities starting to plant and benefit from the yield. They're harvesting their crops in in Sydney with the support of these organizations. So uh, you can go to those. Are they using the the produce to feed, you know, like, you know, homeless shelters or, uh, you know, schools or, or, you know, local communities that are taking advantage of the opportunity to grow these, this produce in these, in these areas? I think that's what the solution looks like at scale for sure. I mean, at, at the at the very beginning, I guess your your crop yield, your harvest <laughs> may be limited in its um, in its reach, but certainly as you scale this type of thinking, you sure. start to reimagine what um, supply chains look like and and self reliance looks like. I mean, uh, in Melbourne right now, 
I'm in stage four restrictions. Um, we've got a COVID outbreak that uh, everyone's trying to get on top of. And we've got a curfew now. I, I can't go out after 8 p.m. You know, I've never, even as a teenager, I wasn't, I didn't have a curfew. So um, anyway. You don't is, know what uh, this feels new. like, do you, Miles? <laughs> So, but it's all really important. But some of the interesting things is, uh, you know, our abattoirs uh, where we, you know, do food processing, they're now on limited output. They've had to reduce yeah. their workforce to, you know, reduce that um, that chance of transmission. And so, yeah, we're, we're staying some restrictions on the food that we would ordinarily access. And so, um, yeah, communities will continue to think, well, how do we become more resilient well, to these types of I, disruptions, I, I, think, I guess? I think, too, this whole COVID uh, pandemic has really kind of made a lot of people think about their own, um, you know, use of their own land to to grow their own crops and, and be their own urban farmer themselves. I mean, my wife and I just recently, you know, back in March, we said, you know what, we're going to grow a garden. And this was before COVID actually hit. And we knew we were going to plan this. We put 18 raised beds out in the side yard and we've got every type of produce going on right now and flowers and things like that. And we were thinking, hey, let's get off the supply chain. We'll just have our own, you know, food. And to have, uh, you know, these gardens and these little, uh, you know, produce set, you know, areas within the city that you're talking about for people to, you know, take advantage of the area and, and the food and the produce, that is phenomenal. I think that's a great outcome for that. And, and, and for repurposing those properties. I'm sure that uh, the, the transit authority are pretty happy with it. Uh, really, and I think not just happy with the outcome for the, for the community, but really pleased for the outcomes for, for the people who've worked on this idea. I think there's a wonderful upside for organisational culture, uh, for recognising the entrepreneurial and creative spirit of people right. to actually see some of these ideas come to life. Uh, is a remarkable experience for people so early in their careers that may not necessarily have the platform uh, for change um, established and, and that we can, you know, Smart Seeds provides that, uh, that playground, which is great. I saw, I saw one uh, project that came out. It was just a recent one too. Uh, some like, uh, I want to say it was like a surf a surf lab or something like that, where they're creating a, a, a artificial, you know, barrier reef out to, you know, protect the erosion of the sand on the beach in, in some specific uh, city there uh, on the coast. And I thought it was like pretty ingenious. Uh, and I was curious, like, do we, is that, is that going to get, you know, some legs, you know, in, in, in you know, real world here, are we going to be able to take that to, you know, prototype? Well, it sounds really cool. So I would, I would hope so. But I think we have to be really realistic with programs like Smart Seeds. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, similar programs run all over the world. So Smart Seeds started in 2012. The term hackathon um, or design lab was not as well established back then. Uh, certainly over the last 10 years, we've seen a growth in these ways of working and thinking. What established organizations like government um, and private enterprise uh, needs to continually work on is how do we mobilize on new ideas mm -hmm. uh, particularly again in, in the organizations I work mostly with uh, they are founded on robust science and evidence and engineering yeah and right. and, and thrive on analytical thinking and 
with these complex challenges, we can't apply those alone. We need to augment that those high-value skill sets with creativity and entrepreneurialism, experimentation, you know, learning by doing. And there's still a long way to go before so, we can actually efficiently um, work towards some of these, you know, so realize the, the ideas. Value of these ideas. Right. So some of the ideas that are uh, being, you know, brought forth and, you know, conceptually they're, they're fantastic, right? I mean, they're just, you know, they're really creative, uh, ingenuitive, um, and, uh, but they can't always really be implemented, can they? I think, is that, is that some of the challenge that you see with, with some of the outcomes here? Absolutely. It's hard to materialize into the next level. Yeah. Uh, And that, I mean, they might have, limited potential when it comes down to it. It might be that uh, the value that we set out to achieve, we've made some assumptions and um, either the feasibility or the desirability or the viability (laughs) doesn't stack up. So, but often we don't get that far. We don't learn enough to make that informed decision to say it's been good, but we've de-risked the process, but we're going to park that because we think there's value elsewhere. We often don't get there. We, we, we call it the stagnation chasm between uh-huh. coming up with a high potential idea yeah. and acting on it to learn more, things really slow down. And it's this gap that we uh, work really hard to try and enable organisations to be comfortable in that space and to focus on tangible outcomes, incremental, experimental outcomes. Prototyping is a wonderful tool to be able to use to bring these ideas to life. Yeah. Um, and, and really pump, pump life into them because otherwise they stay as ideas and ideas. Well, are right. You, and you got to try things, right? You got to try things. Yeah. And I think it's the process that, that these emerging leaders are going through, that they're going to be able to take that experience into their next project or their next level of, you know, work that they're going to have to be involved with and have a new way of thinking about solving a problem, right? And we've got some great alumni stories from SmartSeed. So we've, you know, we've got these emerging leaders, obviously very talented and SmartSeeds may be their first, one of their first forays into entrepreneurial thinking. Right. Uh, but soon after we, we find, uh, these people starting their own initiatives. So wow. either as intrapreneurs within the organisations that employ them or entrepreneurs, they start their own ventures. And so we've got a number of startup founders uh, that have either left their day job or are doing it as a, their mo- uh, moonlighting. Moonlighting, side gig, right? Gotta side, have side gigs. Yeah. With, <laughs> and they're enjoying that, that outlet um, because right. they are able to put into practice not only the analytical skills or the, you know, the, uh, the pigeonhole that they've been, you know, the, the job description they've been given. Right. They're, they're able to explore these other outlets and, and bring it all together. So um, we've got startups in data analytics and particularly visualisation, okay. uh, startups in artificial intelligence, uh, particularly wow. around water and flood analytics. Um, we've got uh, startup in circular economy and more okay. of the strategic and design approach to enabling circular economy solutions. So, and, and all of these are deeply rooted in, in, in purpose, a, a social purpose. So sure. there's, yeah, there's, right. a, there, there's a cause behind it. Things. There's a cause yeah. behind it that they're all getting behind. Right. I mean, they, they, they see the, you know, the benefit of it. Um, 
Well, so I guess one of the big questions is if you were uh, an emerging leader, how do you get invited to participate in a smart seed project or event? I mean, I, that's kind of like if I was a young professional coming in, I'd be like, I want to be in that program. Exactly. So there's programs running now or trying to run now. It's very, <laughs> we've had to pivot a little bit. Right? So Melbourne is, <laughs> is, uh, is in train. So we've got a program in Melbourne right now. Okay. Uh, I would suggest uh, the best way is to get to the website um, and get in contact with Smart Seeds. Right. Introduce yourself and say, look, I'm, in my case, Miles from GHD. I love the purpose of the organisation and the program. I'd see there'd be benefit for, you know, for, for me and my colleagues and my organisation to get involved. How do we go about it? And then we can, we can, we can help because it's, all, it's a movement and it's very much a grassroots movement. So right. if we can identify where the energy lies and there's someone in Toronto that wants to get this up, we can get around that. That's, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And, we, and we can tap into our networks and, and, and bring it to life. So if a program isn't asking, inviting right now, there's no reason why we can't start it up. Sure. Right. Well, I mean, that kind of segues into my next question. It's like, so I see Smart Seeds has been around for eight years now, right? And are there plans to expand it to the United States? Uh, yes. You know, we're in Toronto. We're in North America. Why don't we just come down south of the border here a little bit and get into the, the United States? We'd love to uh, probably have that uh, program here and start, a, a, you know, a, a group here in the United States. I, I can't imagine why we would not just be all over that. Yeah, and and people are calling for it. So I've been involved in uh, early discussions and even um, discussions with a whole range of different organisations based in the States and Canada um, that are really keen. So uh, Waterloo and Toronto, that region, um, the Midcon, so uh, Dallas and, uh, you know, wonderful places like that. Uh, Smart Seeds is known about and it's just a matter of, building enough of a movement to be, you know, that critical mass right. to, be able to, to be able to launch it. And we're getting, I think, what we've learned over eight years uh, is how to quickly enable smart seats. You're it right. doesn't need to be a heavy beast. It doesn't need to be um, intensive. Uh, we can use technology. We can um, use very agile ways of working to get these things off the ground quickly. Well, and there's a lot of collaboration with other individuals and other entities in this, this process. So, you know, there's universities, you know, there's other yes. businesses, there's municipalities. I mean, these young leaders aren't just people from say GHD either. I mean, they're from all over. Uh, you know, when I, when I looked at uh, some of the information and the footage uh, uh, on the, uh, on the website, I mean, you had, you know, a great, uh, you know, participation from a lot of different people from different, you know, parts of uh, the, the, you know, the region that you are doing the, the uh, events uh, in, in individual businesses. I, I think that's a great, uh, you know, model to go from because then you're bringing different disciplines and different ideas and different experiences into this uh, process. Exactly. Yeah. And we've had wonderful support from, as you say, universities, both uh, in a research and development capacity. So, a lot of universities spin out uh, remarkable startups and, and technologies that take, they take to market. And we've had uh, teams mentored by these startup founders um, 
particularly in Adelaide in Australia, we had some wonderful startup founders, mentoring teams, providing that entrepreneurial um, mindset and and support. Um, And also the universities who are interested in uh, supporting their alumni, those that they've, you know, that have graduated and entered the workforce, maintaining that connection and and supporting them in in the next phase of their careers. Wonderful support again. So we, we host Smart Seeds events within university design, innovation labs. Uh, we include entrepreneurs that have spun out of academia or research and development from universities. It's very much, uh, in, in, we've got an ecosystem around right, it for right. sure. And, and, and Smart Seeds is housed under the GHD Digital uh, business. Is that correct? That's right. So uh, Smart Seeds has endured a lot of change and and that is testament to the value so when it started it was a um it was an initiative in one place at one time in melbourne and then uh we enabled it to get off the ground in 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 other places in australia i tell you what new zealand have taken it to another level they oh really um yeah a, a wonderful country for collaboration they i admire the collaborative relationships there yeah uh very powerful. So New Zealand's doing well. Um, we've run it in the UK uh, as well. So, um, but yeah, for Smart Seeds to survive it's and, and thrive, we've found different ways to um, to host it. And so for, uh, for when GHD Digital was born a number of years ago, we saw a natural fit. So that, and, and is it usually the, uh, a, a GHD leader that kind of really is, uh, establishes that initial relationship in those regions or those towns and those cities that you're implementing, you know, smart seeds, they, they go out and they develop those, those core, you know, connections to start the process, right? Uh, what I've learned is you can't force anything. <laughs> no one's going to do this <laughs> under duress. It's all very much right. driven on passion. So right. we we go where the energy lies. Um, and, gotcha. and we've got wonderful people uh, across our networks that get up very easily for this. They, they right. give a lot. That's awesome. That's great. Well, so you've kind of, you know, transitioned a little bit since I last, uh, you know, met with you. Uh, so you're, you've kind of slowly transitioned to maybe not so forefront in the smart seeds arena, but you're still supporting and being in the background and collaborating and facilitating, but what are you working on now these days? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's an evolution, I guess, for me. Um, I started my career as a water resource engineer. So an environmental engineer, uh, focused on surface water, um, particularly flood and how uh, urban drainage interacts with people and livelihoods, um, healthy river systems and waterways and and biodiversity, how, again, uh, development can support, coexist with natural environments. So that's my background. Um, I moved more into innovation and using design-led approaches uh, to solve complex issues. And I guess that understanding of the connectivity of everything is really helpful. So the environmental engineering background, I've brought in, I bring in that strength to more of a systems thinking approach to solving sure. problems. Smart Seeds, I mean, that is an awesome playground where a lot of, you know, I still get to exercise a lot of this um, thinking. And, and I guess- Excitement, I can see. I can see the excitement yeah. you're just talking about. You, you light up, I see. <laughs> and so now- uh, 
I focus a lot of my effort on um, working within established uh, government and private enterprise uh, and shedding light on some of the really complex issues their businesses are facing. So mm-hmm. it can um, relate to how they might continually meet the rising needs and expectations of their customer base or their communities. It may be to explore how they might take up new technologies and the possibilities of new technologies. Uh, It might be around regulatory pressure and how do they shift their business to be able to uh, comply um, and the like, uh, grow into new regions, a whole range of different questions. Um, But what I love about uh, design thinking and creative problem-solving techniques is they're very flexible, very adaptable. And the... I guess the commonality is that you're really looking to turn challenges into opportunities and right. you can apply processes, mindsets, your own experience and perspectives and other people's experiences and perspectives. And, the, and I guess the toolkit of designers to one, make sense of the complexity and understand how it all works holistically, uh, identify who is feeling the pain in the system Right, right. Where the issues are and how they experience that at a, you know, at a, at a personal and, and cultural level. Uh, and then really hone in on the points of intervention. We can't solve the whole thing. It's, it's, it's an ongoing dynamic pick, pick shifting a, beast. Yeah, pick your battles, we can find, find the one thing, right? Yes. So we move through all that complexity, get some focus, and then start coming up with some really creative approaches to solving those. Uh, that's what I really enjoy. So I enjoy immersing myself in very different problems. And so an example would be this year, and as a, as a water engineer, I know a, 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 quite a lot about um, sewer networks yeah. and sewage. Uh, sewer but networks. I, Pesky CSOs, those combined sewer overflows too. They, <laughs> exactly. They're messing everything up, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're, so, they're just degrading under our feet. But I've I can tell you, I've spent the last six months uh, with a water utility in in New South Wales, Australia, yeah, literally wading into this problem of of sewer overflow, mm-hmm. and I thought I knew a little bit about um, the sewer system, but I didn't know how problematic um, wow. the systems right. can be and just how much of an impact they can have on people's lives. So we're focusing on wastewater overflows that continually impact people, you know, right. residents, businesses, community members, and repeatedly. So every time it rains, they might have sewer sewage flowing down their driveway, under their house, uh, back up into their property. <clears throat> this is not, not a, a unique or isolated case, um, a lot of coastal um, towns will have these issues. But what's really interesting about it is it's relatively taboo and not well uh, appreciated. Um, and so yeah. when we talk to customers that are experiencing wastewater overflow, we start to realise just how um, difficult it is to be able to address the problem. And oh, there's yeah. no one root cause. 
it's so- it's, it's a long-term investment in a community to solve that problem through you know, a lot of uh, engineering infrastructure redos, uh, you know, especially here in the States, we've got combined sewer overflows. Geez, when I started my career as in, as a regulator and working for the Office of Water Management, and um, I was doing surface water uh, sampling and uh, basically assessing fish kills due to CSOs. Uh, you know, okay. so, you know, uh, a flood would come in, heavy rain, uh, you know, and a massive fish kill would happen. And we're like, go figure out why that happened. Well, you know, all the uh, dissolved oxygen got sucked out of the water with the, you know, the sewage and it killed all the fish. And uh, we had to go prove it and then go upstream and figure out, well, where is the CSO coming from? I mean, where's the problem? Where's the breakdown? And just a lot of, a lot of information that we did a lot of studies on in the, some of the watersheds that we were, you know, working in. And uh, just as a very eye-opening um, problem, and a massive one to solve because here right now they're trying to separate the the sewage and the stormwater completely. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's keep it completely separate. And there's a big push right now in the U.S. to do that with a lot of municipalities, and it's a big cost to the infrastructure uh, in the design. Absolutely. But, uh, and great ultimately, stuff I mean, right there. in Australia, we generally have that. We don't have combined systems. Well, they're not designed to be combined. <laughs> they're designed to be separate. They forgot about have, that one. <laughs> Well, yeah, you have uh, either accidental connections. So a new yep. development may connect to the, you know, the wrong pipe instead of connecting your yeah. roof drainage to your stormwater network. You yeah. erroneously connect it to the, the sewer. All of a sudden, you've got rainwater entering a system that was designed only to carry sewage. sewage. Yeah. Of course, that, that will overflow more regularly in, during rainfall. If enough people do that across a catchment, Right, you're going to have severe problems, problems. and have problems. more often. And so that's certainly the case. And you know, non-compliance as well. Some developers uh, choose to make the wrong connection. Sure, um, cost money. <laughs> yeah, cost savings, time savings. Yeah, lack of care. So there's there's issues there. But then also you've got non-human actors like trees. Their no. roots getting into the system and there breaking in and blocking. That's I right. mean. You can't hold trees accountable. So no, no, it's so many issues, right? And it just or it's just infrastructure just crumbles over time. You know, that's it's put in with old clay terracotta pipes and you know or brick, and now you know it's degraded over time. So exactly. But no, that's great, and I'm glad that you're working on that. That's that's very interesting. So. Miles, I lo- this has been a great podcast. I mean, we've got a lot of really good information on Smart Seeds and 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 that program and the uh, emerging leaders that are, are you know able to get involved in from all different disciplines and, and different uh, you know areas of, of the industry. Uh, you've got a lot of great leaders that are mentoring these people. I think that's phenomenal because really, if we don't pass it down to the younger generation, uh, that that's you know that's the key, right? We have to be able to do that, mentor them bring them uh, as much information as we can, you know, provide them to learn from. And um, I love it. And, and I think that I'd uh, love to see uh, a smart seeds uh, program start here in the U S somewhere. I don't know where, but I'd love to see it happen. I think it'd be great. Um, one of the things I'd like to close with the podcast is, uh, is this one question. It's uh, how are you transforming uh, the industry and the way you approach design led innovation, you know, uh, you know, a GHD. So what do we think there? Well, I, certainly, 
what I bring to the table is a an appreciation of the engineering design process, what drives it, the purpose of engineering. Uh, I'll often it is to provide a reliable, stable solution uh, for yeah. people and provide a safe environment for people. Um, either if it's a bridge design, making sure people can safely cross. If it's a pipe design, making sure that it, right. you know, if there's a surcharge, uh, it, it doesn't impact people and property. So I can understand that mindset, but what I often bring is a different lens which is focused on the human experience. Right. How do water services impact people's lives? What do uh, the social sciences say about people's expectations and motivations? How do behaviours impact the way that engineering solutions are meant to work but actually uh, conflict? And so bringing that, that appreciation for the human experience, the fact that humans aren't rational, this is a shocking... Really? This Come is a, a shocking realization for engineers, wow. and I studied also economics. And I mean, an old school assumption oh. in economics is just assume people think rationally, and that's disastrous. Right. So, Absolutely. bringing a more behavioral understanding of of society and culture uh, will help all our organizations and their collective effort create you know more livable places, more Absolutely. livable systems, more sustainable systems. So, uh, I really enjoy that, and. Um, collaborating with all kinds of um, people, you know, strategists, designers, technologists, regulators, right. community members, and bringing all those perspectives together um, and, and making sense of it together, coming up with ideas that people believe in and, and buy into uh, is what it's all about for me. No, that's good. I mean, GHD is, is, is I mean, they, we are lucky to have you, Miles, working for us here in in we're in your capacity and thank goodness you're there because uh, you're making a big difference. I can tell. Um, all right. So, but Hey, how do, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, email is good. I mean, depending where you are around the world, email is always good. So it's my name, miles.coker at ghd.com. Okay. And then uh, that's great, Miles. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on to the show tonight. Uh, you know, we're, I'm looking forward to getting this out to, to the listeners here soon. Um, you know, this has been a, a great uh, show to listen to, uh, all the great things that smart seeds has been doing that all the work that you've been involved with and thanks for coming on. And I'll put a little post up on uh, how people can get a hold of you on my uh, website and on the, the, uh, liner notes on the, uh, the podcast itself when we publish it and, uh, make sure you, you get it out there on your social media networks. Okay, bud. Absolutely. Sean, thank right. you for the discussion. And um, yeah, I love being in contact. I always walk away from these discussions feeling a little bit more energized. So absolutely. That. Well, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, here soon, we'll see face to face down the road. Absolutely. All right. All right. Take care. All right, see you. Bye-bye. I want to thank our guest, Miles Coker, for coming on to the show today. If you have questions about the Smart Seeds Design-Led Innovation Program or Water Management Services, please feel free to contact Miles Coker via email at miles.coker at ghd.com or visit the Smart Seeds website at www.smartseeds.org. We'll also put a link to his contact information on my website. 
To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks, or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.